Revelations 2, 2 through 5. And I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. And also, while you're doing it, go ahead and grab Acts 2, 40 through 47. These are our, kind of our theme verses uh, for this, this series, the comeback. You got it? Say amen. Here it goes. It says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Amen. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Come on, somebody say, do the works you did at first. Say it again. Do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. And in Acts 2, 40 through 47, the truth is, is here Jesus is, and he's speaking, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what you started out doing. I want you to go back to the basics. I want you to, you're doing all the right things, but the truth is, is that there's a few things that you're missing out on, and so go back to the basics. So what did the first church do? In Acts 2, 40 through 47, we see it here. It says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I say this every service. One day, one Sunday, we will have 3,000 people saved. Come on, in one single Sunday. I believe God for it. And they, well, that's too big a church. Uh, I, don't, I don't like big churches. You know, I, uh, one, uh, I love, I, I can't even, uh, there was a pastor friend of ours, and he, uh, a lady came up and said that, say, that thing to him. said, you know what, I like this church, but I think it's just too big. And he said, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I hate that. But I'm, she said, well, I'm going to keep coming, though. And uh, about two months later, she said, uh, Pastor, I, I just need you to pray. And I, I really need you to pray because my son, who, who is not saved and, and not living for God, has agreed for, to come to church with me on Sunday. And he looked at her and he said, I thought the church was too big. Why would I pray for somebody else to come? And in that moment, she realized it's not about a chair, and it's not about comfort, but it's each person represents a life that can be changed for the gospel. There are people that don't like big churches. I love big churches because they all represent families, and they represent lives. That has nothing to do with my message, but I feel like preaching today. Where was I at? 3,000. I'm back on it. I'm back on it. I'm back on it. That's why my wife's keeping me in line. Here we go. Uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship, in the word, uh, in, in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily. Come on, say daily. With one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Real quick, just look at 43. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. If you're taking notes today, 
I would like for you to title this message, Coming Back to Great Faith. Coming Back to Great Faith. Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your Word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. So, Lord, right now, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of your people. Use me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Coming back to great faith. My, my wife uh, mentioned that uh, she was gone this week. She left, out, uh, she left out early Thursday morning, and so I was left single dad in it. Uh, and that's always a fun thing. Uh, and Friday came around, and, and there's a, there's, not everybody knows this, but the truth is, is that dads are expected to be fun. Moms, my, it's fine. My 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 father in law my fa- my father in law put a slide in his house for the grandkids because we're expected to be fun. And 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 I could see Friday night rolls around and my daughter looks at me and my son look at me and they said, "Hey, Dad, uh, what do we got going today?" And uh, like, what, we got to do something fun. And, uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm desperately searching for something to do. And I finally come across this place that people say is a really good place to go. And it's a place to play putt-putt. Now, I, I love a good game of putt-putt. It's just, to me, it's fun. And I, I enjoy it. So I said, hey, why don't we load up? Why don't we go play putt-putt? And they said, yeah, that sounds like fun. So we, we drive. And, it, and it's a pretty good little ways for us. It's about 40 minutes. And and uh, we drive, we drive over, and we get out, and we play putt putt. And I would just like to say that I completely destroyed my kids. Yeah, I completely demolished them. They didn't even—I mean, not even close. They weren't even. My kids are nine and ten, just so you know. But it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, a win's a win. Come on. And uh, uh, anyway, so we, we played. We had a good time. They, and then we did some uh, bumper boats, and we had some different things that we did, and we had a good time. Well, uh, we, were, we were getting ready to leave uh, after I'd spent hundreds of dollars. And, and uh, anyways, we're getting ready to leave, and my kids do this thing uh, where they call shotgun. Anybody remember the days of shotgun? And uh, so my son ho- hollers out, shotgun, and uh, he goes and gets in the front seat. Well, uh, we're, we're getting ready to drive, and he kind of kicks his seat back, and like he's just going to chill out and relax, and we get, we get going, we're driving down the road, and uh, we're, you know, come on, we're listening to some music, we're having a good time, we're talking a little bit, and, and uh, as we, we're, you know, we're, we're getting down the road, and everything's going good, we're smiling, laughing, and uh, we finally get home after 40 minutes, we get home, I pull in the driveway, and, and my son gets out. And I noticed that on his right leg, he has a massive, like, deep mark in his leg. Like, he'd been, it was like, not, you know, how you wake up with sleep lines in your face, you know, and when you sleep really hard on a certain day. Well, he had, it was deeper than that, and his leg was really red. And I said, son, what did you do to your leg? What happened? He said, well, when I leaned the seat back, my leg got pinched in the lever, And it was stuck like that for the entire drive. And I replied, son, why didn't you say something? And, and he looked at me and he said, dad, you were driving. You were busy. I didn't want to bother you. And 
I, I begin to think about this because I think a lot of people live exactly this way when it comes to God. We have situations and circumstances and things that come up in our life, and we, and we look around and we think, well, why would I bother God with this situation? Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small, but we think, why would I even mess with asking God? He's got more things to do. He's got more important things to do. There, there's a lot more going on, and the truth is, is we, we listen to amazing stories in the Bible, like Moses, whenever he's facing, uh, he's standing at, at uh, the Red Sea, and there's, uh, the Egyptians are closing in and we see God sh- show up and in a moment he, he uh, split, parts the Red Sea and they walk through on dry land and we think, man, that's an incredible story. Or how about Joshua when he's circling the walls of Jericho and we read that kind of story and we think, man, and, and God shows up and he flattens the wall uh, and, and we think, man, that's a really cool story. Or David and we hear about Goliath and here he is standing uh, in front of this uh, uncircumcised Philistine and God shows up and kills Goliath using David's stone and, and we or we read stories about Jesus. Come on, we can go into Jesus and Jesus going in and laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, or or he opening deaf ears and blind eyes and raising the dead. We read stories like this and we think that is an amazing thing. But all along we think, but God's too busy for me. He doesn't have time for me. I, he doesn't have. Why would I bother him? Why would I? Why would I even try? And the truth is, is what you need to understand is the entire gospel message is about a God who loved you enough and not bothered by your troubles or your situations or your circumstance. He saw you hurting. He saw you in pain. He saw you uncomfortable, and he stepped out of heaven and he came to this earth to die on a cross so that you could come boldly into his throne room of grace to obtain mercy and help in time of need. Jesus is saying this, you can come boldly into his presence whenever you need it. Stop thinking that God's too busy for you. He's not too busy for you. He has all the time in the world. We think, God, you, you don't have time for me. Let me just say this, God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. God wants to restore. God wants to do mighty things in your life, but it takes something on your part. I love Matthew 7, 7 says this. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Here's what Jesus is saying. He said, do a little bit on your end, and God will show up and do the rest of his, on his end. But we think, well, I, I, I'm not going to ask. Just like my son was sitting there, well, I'm not going to ask for help because my dad's too busy. You need to, it wouldn't have taken just a moment. I would have pulled the car over. We would have fixed the situation. There's some of you that need to learn to ask God for whatever you need. Ask, and it will be given. Here's some things that I, I think that we need to start practicing on a regular basis. We, we, I believe that God wants us to move into a realm of greater faith. I, I don't think that God, God wants us just to, oh, well, we're just going to punch a clock and, and we're going to just kind of make it through. We're going to get through the motions. Listen, I love the fact that heaven is my home, but I, I, I think that God is concerned with my nasty now and now. 
And he, and he wants me to be victorious in this life. He wants me to live a life that is full and flourishing. He doesn't want me just to squeak by and get by. God cares about your daily needs. He cares about your daily stuff that's going on in your life. But it's some things that we can do to begin to step into a greater faith. The, the first thing that I want you to see is I think that we need to do is we need to take the limits off. And when I say take the limits off, I mean take the limits off of God. A lot of times we put God into this small box and we say, God, if you work this way and if you do this thing and, you, and, you, and everything, this is the way it should look. And the truth is, is God does not work in, the, in the, uh, the, your perimeters that you set up for him. God's a big God. He doesn't need you to put him in a little box and say, well, this is the only way that you can move in my life. The truth is, is God can show up and move any way he wants. There was a man who was watching the news one night, and he saw that there was a great flood that was coming. There was a big flood that was coming in, and they had a ton of rain, and, and, and the dam had broke, and there, there, were just, there was a big flood that was coming. And so he, he, he just immediately hit his knees and, and said, God, I just thank you right now that you're going to save me that I'm not going to perish in this flood, that you are going to save me. And uh, about five minutes later, there was a knock at the door. He opened the door, and it was his neighbor. And he said, hey, hey, neighbor, I just want you to know, uh, I, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but the dam is broke, and there is, there's a flood coming, and, and we need to get out of here. I have some extra room in my car. If you want to grab a few things, hop in. I'm, I'm, I'm driving out where it's safe. I'm getting to higher ground. The man said, no, thank you. God will save me. He said, well, okay, you're nuts, but okay, whatever. So he, he, uh, he, he takes off, and, and, uh, and now then the water's starting to rise in his home, and he's, he's getting about ankle deep and knee deep, and he thinks, okay, well, I need to get out of here. So he climbs up on his roof, and he gets up to the roof, and he's sitting there, and he's just thanking God, Lord, I just thank you that you're going to save me. You're going to save me. Well, pretty soon a, a man comes along in a boat, Says, hey, you, you need to get down. Like, it's, it's, it's bad now, but it's going to get worse. This isn't going to be a good place for you to be. Just hop in the boat, and I'll take, you to sa- I'll take you to a safe place. We'll get to higher ground. And said, no, no thanks. God's going to save me. Now the water's rising and rising and gets a little bit higher, and now that he's just on one little peak, and he has a spot where he can stay dry, and he's praying. He said, God, Lord, I know you're going to save me. I know you're going to save me. Well, a helicopter comes along with a rope ladder and, and lowers it down and says, this is, this is your last chance. It's about to get really bad. Get on the rope. We'll take you to higher ground. Just get in. And he said, no, that's okay. God's going to save me. The man gets swept away and ends up perishing in the flood, and he gets to heaven, and he says, God, I prayed, I believed, in, and I asked you in faith, how come you didn't show up? How come you didn't save me? He said, I sent your neighbor, come on, I sent a boat, and I sent a helicopter, what more do you want me to do for you? The thing is, is that a lot of times we put God in this box, and we say, God, you can only move this certain way, and if you don't show up in my life and do it exactly this way, then I think that you're not moving at all, and I want you to understand that God can do it any way that he wants to do it. He can show up and move in your life. He wants to show up and move in your life, but if you step back and you limit him and say, you can only do it this way, and if it doesn't look this way, then I don't, I don't believe that you're working on my behalf. See, God shows up in so many different ways, but we don't look at it. We don't see it. 
We think, oh, well, this is, this is when we were raising money for the church uh, to, to launch our church, we were sitting back and, and somebody asked me, well, how's it going to come in? And I, I looked at them and I said, I have no clue how it's going to come in. God could bring one big check or he could bring a, 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 a whole lot of dollars, but it doesn't matter how it comes in. I just know this, that God is faithful, and he will bring it in. There's some of you that are looking at your situation, and you think, God, this is the, I, I need you to show up and work on my, on my behalf. You're praying for more money, and God's showing up, and you're not seeing any more money, but God's knocking on the door, and you're getting offered promotion after promotion after promotion, but that means more work. That means like I'm going to have to actually roll up my sleeves and do something. You're asking God to do something in your life and he's showing up and because it doesn't look the way that you think it should look, you're turning it down and thinking that he's not moving at all. That's good preaching. Amen. That is really good. I'm going to get this podcast myself. Take the limits off of God. I think some of the best things I do is just say, God, I don't know. I don't have a clue how you're going to do this. But I'm believing God. That you're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm believing that you're going to do it. That you're going to move. The second thing I think that's important for us to do to start stepping into greater faith is this. Pray big. Pray big. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, come on, somebody say exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God can do something big if we start praying big. If we'll start asking God for something, uh, I, I believe that he wants us to take the limits off, but we need to start praying. A, a lot of people don't pray. I, I always say this, that if we really believed as Christians, if we really believed that prayer worked, you couldn't keep us from praying. If you really believe that God heard your prayers... It would be one of those things where you prayed all the time. It would just be something that comes out of you because you understood that God is listening in and that, he, that he's attentive to what you want and what you need in your life. And, and, and as you begin to pray and as you begin to ask and as you begin to seek and as you begin to knock, that he's waiting to open the door for you. If we really believe that. But most of us don't believe that that's the God we serve. Just do me a favor and close your eyes real quick. Nobody looking around. Come on, don't look at your neighbor. Their eyes closed. It's creepy. <laughs> now then, I want you to just do me a favor, and I just want you to picture God for a moment. Just picture him. And I'm curious, just in that second, when I said picture God, you can open your eyes. What did God look like to you? You don't have to say out loud, but what did God look like to you? Most people kind of, have y'all ever seen the, the Abraham Lincoln monument? You know, that massive monument with Abraham Lincoln standing uh, or sitting on a throne. You know, he's, and this is this massive monument where you're, you're barely as big as his big toe. I mean, you barely come up to, most of us have a picture of God exactly that way. 
And the truth is, let me just say this, that God is big. There's no question there. there, there, there I'm, not, I'm not saying that God isn't big, but, but most of us have this, this uh, image of God being sitting on a throne, and he's cold, and he's, and he's hard, and he doesn't, he doesn't care about us, and he's just sitting there looking stoically at us. Some of us picture God that way. A lot of us picture God that way. Uh, uh, there's others of us that we picture God this way. We picture him like the Wizard of Oz. He's a big booming voice behind a curtain, and we don't know anything. We don't know what he looks like, and we don't we don't know how he is, and we don't we, we, we have no idea. But but we have this picture of him, and we come in, and it's nearly like as we come into his presence, we're shaking and we're scared, and, and we don't know what's going to happen. And then we hear the answer: If you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. If you'll, go, if you'll go out and you'll do all of these things, then I'll start working on your behalf. And I want you to understand that God is not like either one of those things. I, love, I, I, was, I asked Crystal as I was preparing for my message, I said, Crystal, uh, close your eyes. And that's a dangerous thing for her. She's like, what? What are you going to do? Uh, I said, just close your eyes and picture God. And I said, what do you see? And I love what she said. She said, I see God, I see Jesus walking in a field. And the sun setting behind us and there's flowers all over the place. And as I walk up, I see him kneel with his arms open and a smile on his face. She said, that's the way I picture God. And we, we wonder why she gets up here and she starts talking about that I'm God's favorite. Come on, everybody's heard her say that. I'm God's favorite. God loves me more. It's because of the way that she pictures God. She doesn't picture him as this stoic, uh, 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 massive uh, uh, person, man on, on this throne that's waiting to thump you and get rid of you, waiting to squash you like a little ant. She pictures him the way that she sees him is, is a loving father who is there for her when Whenever she needs. And a lot of the time, when we begin to picture God in the right way, I believe that it begins to change. And I, and I think, let me, just, let me just give you this in Scripture. The, the disciples are sitting here, and they're asking Jesus. They say, Jesus, uh, teach us how to pray. We, we know, we've prayed. We, we've obviously, we grew up kind of praying, and we know prayer. But, but there's something different when you pray. And, and he gives this, come on, most of us know the, the prayer, but he gives this prayer as a model, not as a religious duty to say. But he gives us this prayer, and, and, I, and I, one day I'll teach on it, but right now I just want to just, just focus on the first two words. He says this, our Father. And I love this because without saying it, Jesus is saying, you pray first off through relationship, not through religion. Our Father, who art in heaven. See, see, here Jesus is, he's saying, this was something that was completely controversial at the time because you didn't approach, you didn't approach God as a father there. You didn't, you didn't do that. You, you had certain religious duties and certain things to do, but he comes in and he says, our Father. And, and I think if most of us started understanding that we have a relationship with God, that he loves us, that he cares about us, that, that he wants to do good for us, we might change the way we started to pray. My, uh, my son came in the other day and um, I was sitting in my recliner watching some AM football. Come on, some. Hey, I got one. All the UT people said, oh. 
Those field goals are important. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but but here, here he, uh, he came in, and, and I was sitting in my recliner watching some football. And uh, he comes in, and it, he, he said uh, his chain had fallen off his bike. And now here's what he didn't do. He didn't approach me and say, oh, great father. Thou art mighty in your chair. If thou hast time, whilst you, what the heck are you talking about? Why, why do you turn into some weird person when you pray? I don't understand. You don't need to say thou. God doesn't say thou. The, 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 you can talk to God just the way you talk to just me or talk to your wife or talk to your best friend. That's the way God sees you. He doesn't expect a religious duty. You know, you ever see, uh, let's pray. Hat off, close eyes, bow your head. Where is that in the Bible? Oh, I'm ruffling some religious feathers. You can take your hat off and say, that's fine. Take your hat off if you want to. I don't care. It's, it's a sign of respect or honor or whatever. That's fine with me. But that's not how you have to pray. The God that loves you with your hat on and he loves you in the shower, he loves you in your good times, he loves you in your bad times, he loves you just the way you are. Come on. When you come in, you say, God, I'm just struggling. God, I'm having a hard time. I need your help. Some of the, the greatest prayers I've ever prayed is simply this. God, help. Words fail me. But my relationship, you know me. You know where I'm at. I need your help. My son came in and he said, Dad, crawled up in my lap. Dad, would you come and help me fix my bike? And I said, after the game. <laughs> hey, I'm not Jesus. I'm just, I, I, I'm trying to be more like him every day, but I ain't him yet. <laughs> Oh, you didn't expect honesty. Okay, okay. But he came in and he approached me as a son because he knew relationship got him into my presence. And I think that if a lot of us would begin to see ourselves as sons and as daughters of a father who loves us, who cares about us, we'll begin to walk boldly into his throne and say, God, I just need your help. I need your help. I need, I need you to come through for me I, I, and begin to pray big prayers. Some, sometimes we need to stop being satisfied with just enough and start saying, God, I, I, I'm happy with everything that I got, but God, I'm praying for something. I, I don't want to just have a promotion. I want to own this company. Why not? Pray big. Amen? last thing, and I got to close. Stand firm in faith. Stand firm in faith. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 in the NIV says this. It says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. There's going to be times in your life 
when everything is screaming at you that it's not going to work out. And you've prayed and you've asked God and you believe God and you're sitting here and you're thinking that this is not going to happen. Let me tell you something. Stand firm in your faith. Don't waver. Don't give up. Don't quit. We were raising money for this uh, Heart for the House and, and here we are. And, and we'd getting, we've gotten approached many, many times about this because we said we're bringing cash to close. The Friday before our Miracle Sunday or our, our Heart for the House Sunday, we were, we were sitting there and, and I got an email from the title company and said, are you sure you're going to bring cash to close? Seriously, are you really going to bring cash to close? Because if you don't get all your financing in order today, you will not be able to close on Tuesday. It will not happen. And I'm sitting there, and I'm getting ready to send an email back, and I'm reading this. And everything in me logically is saying, uh, just call the bank. Get it done. Because let me tell you, in that moment when I'm reading the email, I'm $65,000 short. And if $65,000 isn't a lot of money to you, you're in the right church. Amen. But everything in me was screaming, just go ahead and get financing. Just, just get it worked out. Make it happen. But I sent an email in faith, and I said, no, we're bringing cash to close. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know that he's going to show up, and I know that he's going to do it. And there's going to be moments in your life when you, you're sitting there and you're facing a T in the road and you're going, okay, wait a second. Logic says go right, but I feel like faith is telling me to go left. And, and I, I just need to believe God and stand. Let me tell you, stand firm in your faith. I love Bill Johnson. He says this, and I close. Stand on your feet. Bill Johnson says, I will not lower the standard of the Bible to my level of experience. I will not lower the standard of the Bible to my level of experience. I'm here to tell you that God is good, that he's for you, that he, that he wants to do good things in your life. He wants to see you succeed, not just, not just get by. He wants to see you thriving and healthy and successful because God's a good God. Amen? Let me encourage you today. Let's start walking in greater faith. Let's start believing God for more. Let me leave you with a question. What are you asking God for today that would change your tomorrow? What are you asking God for today that if he answered, would change your tomorrow? Let's start praying big. Start asking God for more. Amen.